Congratulations, Jeff. Don't worry about the study group. You can talk to them later. Why don't you and I go celebrate someplace private and boozy? Annie, why are you acting like a mistress in a Lifetime movie? <laughs> You're funny. Oh, sweetheart, you dropped your phone earlier. You got a voicemail from a guy named Mark? You should call him. Not now. I have to find the others and figure this out. Crap, we're losing him. What? What? Who are you? Who are you? You're me? But how? But how? Enough of the pleasantries. I've come from the darkest timeline to make sure you take that job. It's essential to our future. You want it, idiot, so take it. I can't. I've spent almost four years here growing and changing and making dioramas. I'm not that guy anymore. You're wrong. Greendale may have dulled your killer instinct, but trust me, it's still in you. It's time to leave this place and reclaim your proper life. No. Not without my study group. Now who's in a Lifetime movie? academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with the whole team, Katya and Hannah and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Hey, Mav. It's the end of the world. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Wrong episode, but, um, maybe that, maybe, maybe entirely the wrong episode. Just, no, and I right. think all of our episodes are about to be the same because, uh, They're all- I, I, I'm the world. I'm, I mean, I'm still crying over the bake-off. Um, oh, we should always cry over the bake-off. But it's like in a good way. I've been watching old seasons of it, and I watched the season yeah. recently with Henry, like the younger guy with the ties, and I, I just want to pinch his little cheeks. I realize probably at this point, I don't know how old that season is. It's like two years. It's like that much younger than I am. It's like, it was like <laughs> last year's season, so he's like 21 now, I guess. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I feel yeah. better about saying how to pinch his little cheeks then, because <laughs> like, he's dog. just so cute. I was going to say, that man is 87 years old now. That was real. No, no, man. I've been rewatching a lot of old television, and then I'll be like, oh, like that person's probably like, you know, my age or whatever. I'm like, oh, no, this is a season of television from 10 years ago. They are, they are not. Well, I mean, because time I, is meaningless when streaming services exist. Well, time we is meaningless on, on, anyway. We said well, on the yeah, episode about crushes, you know, we said on the episode about crushes, like, I, I have, I have this constant crush on Audrey Hepburn as she exists when she's like 27 years old. Now she is now dead and has been for quite some time. Almost three lived, years. Yeah. yeah and, li- and lived a long full life to where she was an old woman when that happened. But like oh, in, but in my head, Mav, hmm? to be fair, if anyone was going to have a crush on like a zombie actress, I feel I, like you would be the first one I'd be placing bets on. I, no, no. Zombies creep me out. There's like, you know, uncanny Valley thing. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I don't really? I, no, no, I've got no interest in that sort of thing. No. Well, at least now I know I'll take that bet. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, although zombies actually might be appropriate. So what's the what's the episode today, guys? The episode is we are talking we're talking about the darkest timeline or or the the You horror. mean you mean our timeline? Yeah, maybe. Well that's <laughs> that's the question. Cause like I always see all these people talking about talking on memes, you know, 2020 is the worst. This is 
you know, we are truly in the darkest timeline. Every every time the president does something horrible, you know, and it's been I mean, I'm not since we record this in the past of the listener. So I'm sure he did something horrible in the last 15 minutes for us. But when you listen to this in the future, a week from now, he did something hundreds, horrible. Hundreds yeah. of things. Right. 15, minutes, 15 minutes right. ago, you're, you're constantly going, oh, God, what this now? And that's like right. been all of 2020. And I see people say this is truly the darkest timeline. I saw somebody um, somebody theorize that the reason 2020 is like this is because somebody because secretly and we didn't know it at the time but um but baby shark is actually like a demonic <laughs> incantation that has unleashed hell open the hell mouth and unleashed it on earth and i that scans accept that i feel like i it's just that's just the kind of absurd movie concept that i i you know what if that's how we go out <laughs> I mean, that's what all the guys, guys, (laughs) let's talk about this. This isn't super important. Um, Back to the future. Mm -hmm. Do is the answer to all of our questions about this because back like go back in time and make our parents have sex. So Trump doesn't happen. No, no, no. That's back (laughs) to the future. Part one back to the future. Part two is literally about Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. Literally. It literally is because for those of you who are not um, recent watchers of back to the future Two. Uh, Back to the Future 2 is about how Marty goes into the future to 2015 to save his son from making bad decisions and then is like, oh my god, I can game my own future. I can take this like book of like sports scores and place some well-placed bets and I will get rich. It'll be amazing. And then Doc is like, no, capitalism is the root of all evil. Don't play around with it. Uh, that's at least what he should say. And you should destroy this. But Biff that Tannen... Was the sub- that was the subject. Yes. But Biff, Biff Tannen. Tannen gets a hold of it. And Biff Tannen literally becomes Donald Trump with casinos mm-hmm. and murders Marty's father and marries Marty's mother and becomes an abusive husband and father mm-hmm. figure. I wonder who that sounds like. I, and Oh, he's, and, he's intentionally based on Trump. The, yes. The, yes the, I, the I, well, that's what I meant yeah. by like, literally based on Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. the point is is that Donald Trump went back in time to his younger self and gave him the betting book that <laughs> Marty McFly had. And it's, and like, they were so just what trying we really to need to freak something. out about, though, is then who gave Trump the time machine? Because well, Trump, he, stole clear. It. he did not figure that out himself. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Like, he stole it. Like, 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 Biff is, like, not the smartest guy in uh, Back to the Future, but he is smart enough to figure out, I can get this time machine in the same way that Trump somehow still won a presidential campaign. Magic. I mean, the Electoral College is, you know, performs a kind of... similar to magic. So, yes. so wait, but wait, to make it clear, so so given that people are always saying this, and we're talking about the horribleness that is 2020, this episode, we thought we'd look at some other, hey, here's horrible timeline types, not necessarily timeline, but horrible future um, apocalypse. No, we're not, it's not post-apocalypse, but we want to compare to other movies, books, uh, role-playing game is one of mine. So... And is this really, is 2020 really the darkest timeline? Are things as bad as we, as we think they are? Are they worse? They might see, be. So I, see back to I the want to quibble too. with the premise slightly. Okay. Because of like, like the, especially this of the films you mentioned and we talked about when we were conceptualizing the show, those things like Blade Runner, things like Neuromancer. Uh, I also feel like Snow Crash in there, which is a little bit different. Also funnier, also better. Okay. Uh, uh, Mad Max, things like that. 
So I guess the thing is, though, a lot of those worlds are like grappling with the aftermath of some kind of like either gradual or sudden cataclysmic event. So like in sure. Mad Max, it's nuclear holocaust mm-hmm. in like for Blade Runner and like in Snow Crash is like this too. And actually they're 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 those universes are kind of connected in some ways. But like it's like the encroaching, extre- encroaching like extreme capitalism. And also we don't care about people again as a reminder on the show. Eugenics bad. Um, also, capitalism bad. We just tied to eugenics. Capitalism bad. We'll just put we have a T-shirt that says capitalism bad, eugenics bad, all those those things bad. Uh, but like that's those are the worlds that are dealing with like what what the world looks like after something has gone horribly wrong. Whereas I feel like when people are saying things like 2020 is the worst, they're pointing out like not necessarily that these things were already going on. I mean, I think that's an important point when like we're talking about things like the systemic racism that everyone's grappling with and things like that. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of things have come to a head simultaneously and what feels like it feels like basically this is the cataclysm that happened before the fallout video game series that they're always hearkening back to mm-hmm. not the fallout game series is guess okay. what i'm trying to say so, like, so this feels like the prequel so are we so the question is are we in the midst of the pseudo extinction level event that leads us to the apocalypse I don't think so. Okay, well, that was a fun show. All right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I guess the thing is, like, like, well, okay, it depends. I mean, it partially, and I think because a lot of the things that we're panicking about, and rightly so, uh, in the United States in particular, are Americentric issues. Like, we're like, I mean, Trump is not localized in the United States because he has a big red button, but like, and so he is a global problem. But a lot of the things we're dealing with, like, I, I don't, I don't know if basically there's the same level of global panic, which I think like a lot of these these worlds, like these film worlds, television, movies, um, like books, it's a global cl- cataclysm. And like the pandemic is definitely that. Mm-hmm. But, like I guess I see a lot of people on like in countries that handled the pandemic much better, which is pretty much all of them. <laughs> like leading normal lives right now mm-hmm. and like i'm sure there's things i mean there's obviously there's like things going on globally like currently like the um the armenian genocide picking back up again uh, you know things like that but like i just i don't i don't think it's a world i don't think it's i don't think this is like the, the i don't think this is we, we, we haven't hit the nuclear bomb holocaust level yet i'm not saying we won't Sure. Because I had forgotten about feral pigs until I read your post again. Yeah, yeah that was this year. So. I, I, I did see murder hornets in the news again this week. So. Oh, no. Oh, well, okay, so I have a question then. So if we're talking about the premise, um, when we watch these movies, uh, when we watch the ones where uh, not like a Terminator, because Terminator, um, Terminator, she's in the midst of trying to stop a very she's trying to stop the future apocalypse by dealing with a very localized problem. Right. The, the rest mm-hmm. of the world doesn't know what what Sarah and um, and Kyle know. Right. So, um, so not that, but like for most of the problems, like when, when we're looking at something like a Mad Max movie or I'm trying to think, RoboCop, um, most of these films or we look at them walking dead. We look at the walking dead. Like this is a global problem. There's a zombie apocalypse that is encroached upon the entire world and everything is hell. Does it ever actually say that? Or is it possible that it's just America's? Yeah, well, that's like, that, that's it. They, they lose contact with the rest of the world, so the assumption is there, but right. but no one really knows. Like, well, but in fact, the rest of the world has just decided 2020 happened. Yeah. we don't want Trump. We're just going to put literal and metaphorical walls around the United States and be right. like, you guys stay well, in I there. Mean, well, so like in just, in, just contain like, disease. in Hunger Games, I'm pretty sure that's yeah. the case, right? Hunger Games, Hunger Games, Pan M is America, 
And like they're where, but but like I don't necessarily believe that in the world of Hunger Games, France, the UK, Japan, Canada, they are they're possibly all fine. It's just the idiots in the United States who, well, who in, ruin their lives. Yeah, well, in the Handmaid's Tale universe, depending on how much of the lore you get into or what canon you want, but like in the original book, it seems like there's an outside of Gilead slash America, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's Canada. It's because we right. had. Actually, and you know, like the Handmaid's Tale is like, I think one of the most common like comparisons in this kind of conversation people have had since 2016 happened mm-hmm. in the sense that like we're living in the pre Gilead United States where, you know, things just like line up one after another where it's all going to go wrong and we're going to be living in a world run by neoconservatives um, mm-hmm. more so than we are now to the point that it is that kind of patriarchal hellscape mm-hmm. that again in some ways already exists. I think that like the thing about, I mean, like Back to the Future too is like also very localized, right? Like it mostly focuses on the United States and in particular the specific uh, home of, like, where Marty lives and his family. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I mean, like even if you picked a movie we don't think about perhaps um but like it's a wonderful life um, I was just gonna say that one mm-hmm. you know like that that future also is like capitalism run rampant by like horrible businessman like destroys town on a mm-hmm. micro level but that was also you know the problem that America was facing and is still facing in mm-hmm. exasperated ways I guess ways. like those are not the movies I those like like I guess those are not I guess there's okay I guess we're talking about a couple different things here there's matters of scale mm-hmm. yeah of like is it local like because it, which I think is actually an interesting idea because when people are like to go back to like Mav's like premise of like the tweet of like 2020 is the worst like when people are saying 2020 is the worst are they saying like 2020 globally is the worst are they saying 2020 is the worst in my specific neighborhood like I know even I mean even my parents like my parents are currently in Oregon I'm in Michigan which are two states that have been hit very differently by just you know if we just isolated the pandemic have been hit very differently I mean handled very differently especially in the beginning where like Detroit was one of the highest density of COVID cases, um, whereas Oregon has had comparatively none. Like they, not I don't, like not saying my parents don't take it serious, take it as seriously, but like I don't think that they would be saying the same like cataclysmic narrative as I would in terms of like the effect the pandemic in particular has had on our 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 specific lives. And that's probably that's probably the thing you know. And when, then there's nuclear holocaust, which is just everything goes to hell. Right, but when we. But when- <laughs> When we when we when we read these books, when we watch these movies, right, the text that we're talking about, we only obviously they usually focus on the bad places because the story in the interesting place, I mean, in the um, in the in the places that are, that are fine, isn't that mm-hmm. interesting? I mean, I, like, I, I sort of wonder, I, I wonder what the story of is, you know, is, is there a novel in the Star Wars universe where it's just on an outer planet and everything's just kind of fine and it's just people sitting around watching the news going, oh, Rebels blew up a, blew up a Death Star. So anyway, what, you know, what what's the score of the Mets game? You know, like, 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 is that like a oh, thing? Yeah, I mean, I mean the, yeah, the nature of fiction involves conflict. So you tell the more interesting stories. I mean, that's, right, right. I don't know about Star Wars, but I mean, Firefly has that premise kind of baked in because yeah. like there's, right. the, there's the there's the difference between the inner and the outer planets. The inner planets like are completely unaware 
really of like a lot of the conflict that's going on in the outer planets and like don't like or like they're aware of it as like a vague thing that yeah they read in a book or you know hear about in the news but it's not a real thing until like you know reavers are coming to town which they also believe that reavers are a myth yeah right yeah, yeah. the mandalorian seems to touch on some of that i mean like yeah mm-hmm. I, I i'm not real convinced the uh the, uh, wow, my mind just went blank. The Jawa care a whole lot about what's going on in the Empire. Right, right. And nor should they because they're, you know, it, well, I mean, they probably care. Like, I'm thinking about, like, in our real lives, right? When a war happens, I care about the war, but the war, the, the war in, in Iraq or Afghanistan or or something like that, the, the effect on my day to day life yeah. doesn't change all that much. Like, I watch it on the news, I might care. But like, if, I still you know, could so if, to, if you have right. family or friends who are there, it, you know, you view it very differently. Right. But my but my but my um, if, you, if, you, if you look at um, if you if you look at any operation that happened after 9-11, you know, 9-11 changed everybody's lives in America directly for like a good solid week as we were adjusting to it. But then once the actual war and the aftermath happened, most of my daily day, day to day, go to work, go to school, go to, you know, whatever mm-hmm. life is Didn't very change. much. Yeah. yeah. Fa- fairly close to what it was before that. Now there are obvious mm-hmm. changes that happen to our culture mm-hmm. in the, in the wider sense since that. And I think that like, for instance, what Katya was just saying for those of us who are in places with lots of COVID cases, you know, their, their restrictions are fairly strong and, you mm-hmm. know, and there's obviously an effect like, you know, <laughs> our silly little, movie game is just frozen right because because right. it has, mm-hmm. it has right. to be but like but like uh, but like for some for somewhere that doesn't way, have a, i better still be winning that you are still winning <laughs> yes it's my one shot of glory look um look some, else to win. anyone else to win because i'd want everyone to stop going to the movies well, but continue with your well, but like for somewhere want, for somewhere like katya's yeah. parents live if it's relatively safe to go to the movies if it's relatively safe to you know like how right. much how much has their day-to-day life changed? Obviously, your parents are smart and they're worried about the global situation. I get that. But like their actual day-to-day activity life, is it that much different? Are they working from home or you know what's going on there? I mean, both of my parents are retired and they're not people who like go out a ton. I mean, also they live outside of Portland, mm-hmm. which has been a giant mess for other reasons. Sure, sure. Um, they're still like, yeah, they're even yeah, that's that's I don't uh, I don't claim to know like the on the ground situation of Portland, but from what I've heard from like family and friends that are there, like it's still pretty bad in terms of like federal agents and policing right there. There's now mm-hmm. a, a police review that's basically found like, yeah, please stop like accidentally quote, well, quote unquote, accidentally pepper spraying homeowners in their houses right. and causing like asthmatic children to need to go to the hospital. Like that would be nice. Can we at least said that as a bar that we're not going to go over. <laughs> so then is this darkest timeline because not just because, you know, we're in a situation where there's a global pandemic, but because so many things that we normally any any one of which could be the beginning of a plot to one of these films feral hogs as um as wayne pointed out you know like any (laughs) any of these could be the plot to one of these films or books and yet they all happen i mean like geostorm right as as horrible a film as geostorm is geostorm has exactly exactly zero geostorms in it you know it's the threat of a geostorm that they're worried about and then, as I pointed out in the blog, we've had so many hurricanes this year that we ran out of letters. You know, we're yeah. on we're as we as we record this hurricane Delta just fell because we have to start the alphabet over. You know, that's so that's that, that, that should be a big deal. And how much of a news story is it? Well, you know, they, we got I a lot of say that they missed it. They missed a big opportunity to call that the hurricane D2. Mighty Duck. Mighty Duck. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yes. But I, I think what's interesting is that, like, we talked a little bit about this on our post-apocalyptic show. Um, but a lot of these narratives, like, they are about the present. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they also, like, like to go back to David Mitchell, um, the author of things like The Bone Clocks or Cloud Atlas. Part of the reason why he's writing about, like, a climate change, like, paramilitary-run world um, is not because he thinks that might be the outcome, though it might very well be if we see mm-hmm. the patterns of how we are acting, but also to convince us to, you know, change our ways and stop being so obsessed with Disney to the point that in the future one day, all movies will be ubiquitously, ubiquitously known as Disney's, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, like corporations, like inevitably one day might become like the God in world more so than they already were, are because that's just the way things are going. That's a logical outcome. Like a million kids are not killing each other for our amusement on TV, but the things the Hunger Games certainly says about reality TV and how it plays into politics, I think became even more poignant after 2016 mm-hmm. and how the president now announces Supreme Court justices like it's a reality TV event because he was a reality TV host, which also mm-hmm. I forgot about that for 10 <laughs> seconds because there's just so much more happening that... <laughs> Too many things. I honestly can't even keep the running list well, in my head. I, I think that's it. It's too many things. It's like this this year has given us this giant reading list of, of apocalyptic fictions, but they're real. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you know, the, the whole the timeline thing, Mark, Mav, you'll know, like the, the What If series from Marvel. I'm going to throw yes. the comics thing in. You know, the, the, the premise of What If is, you know, what if, uh, you know, what if Jane Foster had found the hammer of Thor? Right, right. Which 40 years later, <laughs> 40 years later, they did that for real. But at the time, yes. it, was, it was one story, you know, what if, a lot of what ifs, a lot of what ifs, they just rolled into the real. The main thing you learn reading what if back in the day is every other possible timeline was worse than the mainstream Marvel Universe. Yeah. They would they would mm. change they would change the, the original premise of it is if you change just one thing, mm-hmm. how would things play out differently? Every and butterfly effect is worse. Every yeah, in, in the original every one of them. Yeah. You know, every one of them just just across the line, every issue like see, see, be thankful for what you got in the main Marvel universe because it's crap everywhere else. Are they just trying to like silence the fans who like are obsessed about like a particular character's dying or something? Maybe it may be. that, that might have been part of it. <laughs> I think it just it'll it allowed them to some experimentation in terms of storytelling, but even back yeah. then I I was like, well, that's you know, every one of them just ends in horrible tragedy with the universe exploding or everybody dying or something. Um, well, I kind of want to go back to what Hannah was saying earlier too. It's like, I think there's this interesting thing at, or like, well, even what, what you're talking about, like there's too many, there's, there's like too many things happening at once. And I think, cause in my mind in science fiction, then when I think of like, sort of like the post-apocalyptic narrative, there's like two, two kind of distinct, although sometimes they're interrelated depending on the story, but like two to me kind of distinct categories. One is the nuclear Holocaust scenario. One big, usually natural disaster or man-made disaster happens. Like why, like changing how life fundamentally functions on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the, like, uh, or it's like this gradual mounting of a lot of different, like different, not necessarily connected cultural things. I mean, and often those two things, I say that they're distinct, but like, like, for example, 
but they are like one one usually causes the other. So like actually so to go to Mad Max, like Mad Max is a great example because it's like there is like massive climate change problems that are creating the world of Mad Max and all the deserts and everything like that. But that is linked to basically like uh rampant capitalism and uh specifically like fossil fuel fossil fuel use, which is all which is mm-hmm. like a natural disaster caused by a cultural one. Even though there's these two I see these as two kind of like different I don't know I don't know if I'm gonna call them trends, but like these two different kind of aspects. I feel like we're more in the like lots of things happening at once that's gonna at some point lead to cultural change, either good or bad. That's what that's to me what twenty twenty is. Like even mm-hmm. even with the pandemic, which I think is more of a natural disaster camp, even with the pandemic, I think in the United States specifically, I would still put it in that like second camp of the pandemic, like I think we've talked about this in previous shows, like the pandemic revealed a bunch of problems mm-hmm. that were already happening, which is interesting because that's kind of like what was Hannah was saying. It's like that is the function of a sci-fi story. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to point this stuff out. Right. And so we had like the natural disaster point out the cultural problems, which is like a very interesting well, I, I think Mav and I've talked about this on the show before, and I know in person that the science fiction and a lot of speculative fiction in the past there seemed to be a, a more hopeful thing for the future, you know, jetpacks yeah. and, and technology and, and all that stuff. And I want my flying car. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and it, I mean, that wasn't always true. You also had, you know, Lovecraft out there doing his thing. So mm-hmm. it wasn't mm-hmm. all hopeful and shiny. What if there were monsters <laughs> under the sea and, Right. Yeah, they'll, but, they'll kill you. They'll, yeah. they'll always kill you. <laughs> but there, there did seem to be that sense of technology will save us and there is a bright, shiny future mm-hmm. ahead of us. And that seems to be a strain of science fiction or speculative fiction that's missing these days. Everything is, if not dystopian, at least, oh, it's all going to suck. Katya, this is what? more of a question for you. Wasn't that mostly just a moment of time? Because the earlier science fiction so it's, wasn't that, right? Like, right there was a yeah. lot of fear yeah. of... Welcome welcome to my master's uh, Mm -hmm. research. Uh, Yeah, so I spent a lot of time in my master's program um, researching actually exactly this question was like there is this myth this kind of like mythos um, which is kind of typified by a lot of what Gibson says about early science fiction so like the golden age um, the amazing stories eras before that mm-hmm. and like where he he and a lot of a lot of like more contemporary like post you know post 45 um, sci-fi authors well later than post 45 I would go with like 70s 80s kind of talk about early sci-fi you know 20s 30s 40s and even into the 50s as characterize it as a kind of naive and juvenile approach to sci-fi and mm-hmm. and to precisely this idea of like where it's all it's 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 uh sunshine, sunshine, it's sunshine and roses sort of like all the way down i think it's more complicated than that because there's two strains yeah. of sci-fi and one of them that we kind of forget is that a lot of that like really upbeat science fiction was originally published in bo- young boys magazines it's actually ya fiction. true right right and it yes. was much more uncommon at the time to see dystopian ya fiction mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't exist but like the dystopian the, the kind of like I, I think like the like I would say right now like the dominant especially the popular science fiction of like in YA context there's a lot there's a lot more dystopian fiction there mm-hmm. now I don't think that the historically I is not something I see which I I think that's part of the disconnect it's also and much like I think kind of with comic books the early readership of science fiction was usually like young boys and mm-hmm. young and adolescent mm-hmm. boys um, yeah I mean my my research into pulp magazine shows a lot I mean no one 
pop magazines just don't have the the cachet and nostalgia factor today for most people that like comics do. So if you actually go back and read old issues of Argosy, you know, right. there's hell on earth in a lot of those things. Yeah. Like they're, they're awful. Yeah. I mean, not awful. And they I mean, great stories, but you know. designed for that purpose. Like yeah. a lot of the yeah. editors. So one of the interesting things about those early, early pulps, a lot of them were actually the editors were not people who had any interest in literature. Most of them were in the sciences. And so there were two kind of goals that a lot of those periodicals set out. One was sort of like the Hugo Gernsback, we must invent the future kind of way, which I think is where they mm-hmm. get the reputation for upbeat fiction. Although if you look at amazing stories, that's not actually descriptive of what he published, even if it was his ideal. Mm-hmm. And then there, but a lot of it was basically like, I mean, going back, going to like, I always go to Isaac Asimov and he's interviewed in the New York Times, actually, the major it's like a major paper, like after the bombing Hiroshima. And he basically has a quote in there. It's like we were we've been telling you and I think the line is something to the effect of like science fiction authors are proved to be a bunch of wailing Cassandras. Like we've been telling you this for decades that this is going to happen and it was and it's not good. Um, and so, yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know if that actually answers your question, but I always go for an opportunity to make out of my sci-fi research at any time. <laughs> well, well, and I, I, so much of the cultural thing, you know, the the post-war, you know, and, and and this leads into the you know, silver age of comic stuff is. Science was was this amazing thing. We were all going to have dishwashers and let's say flying cars and jetpacks. It was going to make our life easier. Oh, by the way, the atomic bomb is going to kill everybody too. So, but even when the atomic bomb first surfaced, I mean, there's an entire period of of like design that's based like atomic design that was based off of the idea that the atomic energy, not the atomic bomb, particular was going to be the future. I mean, there's there's entire utopian societies Mm -hmm. that are conceptualized around this premise that like the bomb will save us. But then, hence the plot of the fall. Out yeah, but there was the there was the uh, the anxiety that came out of that manifested in all those giant monster movies and mm-hmm. that sort of thing as well. So you know that there was this underlying yes, it, it's atomic power is the wave of the future, but oh, giant scorpions. Yeah, I think it's always <laughs> been like. Like I, I feel murder like science hornets. fiction. Oh God, murder hornet! But I think science fiction genres, and I, I like, and I think this goes back to kind of like our apocalypse and like dystopia episode from a few weeks ago. Like it's always it, to me, science fiction always feels like both and. Like it's both yeah. trying to be optimistic about the future, trying to be optimistic about what science can do, but also being like, hey, here's all the ethical nightmares you're about to run into. Right, that scientists I mean, aren't necessarily thinking about because scientists aren't necessarily trained not not always trained to recognize like these massive ethical issues that will lead to eugenics yeah two two points uh one like even if you go back to early what what was considered earlier earlier science fiction in like 19th century uh Mm -hmm. this is also true of the both and and even like uh things like the coming race by edward bueller lighten uh are are also extremely pessimistic and strange and also convinced the nazis that brill was a thing uh just a footnote there Brill is a mythical substance. Point two, um, Jurassic Park is about how scientists need to take humanities courses. The end, that's all. Um, Jurassic Park, yeah. yeah. I mean, mean, basically, though, because, like, there's... There's a lot of research that actually like, going back and look, looking at different scientific movements that actually like, unfortunately, it's scientists are not trained to do policy and advocacy work. It's not their job. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there, there were there were like groups of concerned scientists that tried that tried to basically stop nuclear, you know, nuclear powers from emerging. It didn't work. Um, and like in, I mean, we're like, we see it now in environment, uh, in sort of like the environmental movement, mm-hmm. people are talking about like, you know, listen to the scientists. Unfortunately, historically, that hasn't always worked. 
Um, right. It's one of the things I think about. I think about a lot. I thought a lot about a lot of my research. It's like, well, it's like the idea that like scientific facts actually, unfortunately, don't speak for themselves. They actually, they well, you know, it's an ideal, but like in the public sphere, you need to be able to tell a story that people find compelling. Mm-hmm. Well, but the problem, the problem is that there's a, there's there's a false dichotomy, right? Like we, mm-hmm. so you, so we tell people, we'll we'll use the pandemic as the example, right? Listen to science, right? And and I understand listen to science during a pandemic because if you don't listen to science, you die. If you do listen to science, you don't die. This is an easy well, choice. It's A versus B, right? Yes, I realize unless you're a nutso person. Well, and that's kind of where it gets to, right? Because we because our alternative to listen to the scientists, it tends to be just because of the way that we've set up, I don't want to say the world, certainly America, but lots of other places too, is the choices are science or politician. And right now it's sci- listen to science or listen to Trump. This or is religion. not yeah, or, or, or well, yeah, yeah, but this is not the actual only choice, right? Like mm-hmm. the problem is that you know you, um, we don't have a rule that is listen to the humanitarian, right? Like it should be. Yeah, we teach we teach humanities in in school. We teach history and philosophy and cultural studies, which is what we do. We teach English. We teach psychology. We have all the we have theology. We have all these humanities these humanities that we teach in college, but at no point do we ever, because we have like such, so blessed the idea of STEM or we have blessed the idea of public service, which means politics at no point do we ever look at that. You know, we we, like people deride philosophy. Philosophy is a joke Mm -hmm. to so many people as though it's like the United States. Right. And it's like, no, this is a real thing that we, it's a discipline that we came up with for a very good reason, because I mean, there's there's a meme that goes around that that I see in sort of my circle um, that I that it's I mean I want to call it viral. It's viral if you are a pop culture um, cultural studies person, but probably uh, not for anybody else. It's like um, you know if you um, uh, if you if you ignore science, um, you get Spider Man villains. If you ignore humanities, you get Batman villains. Yes. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> and that's yeah. kind of, yeah. Like, and, and I think the interesting thing, I mean, just talking about politics is like, I, I we, before the show, we were talking about political ads. I like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a political ad where, or at least I very rarely see political ads. I shouldn't say I've never seen, but I very rarely see political ads where a politician is like proud of having a humanitarian or like humanist background, like the one that you're mm-hmm. talking about. It's usually like, I'm a business right. person. I understand business or I've been a politician going back you know 18 generations and i'm gonna die like this weird dynasty thing you're not like and then i'm speaking specific, specifically the united states and i we we don't I value the, the philosopher king <laughs> right you don't value the philosopher king and yeah. i think it's also like we I, I think american society and maybe other i'm sure other cultures as well it's like um but this is the one with which i'm most familiar there is an unwillingness to have because like, to me, like a lot of the value, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. It's like the value of the humanities is some kind of like intellectual skepticism, mm-hmm. is a willingness to doubt your own beliefs and like mm-hmm. actually try and un- like understand an alternative viewpoint. And then maybe do something about it. And then maybe do something about it. And it's like, I mean, but I think part of the, the difficulty with like with politics and society is going on now or even, even with the pandemic is like people are not willing to doubt their own beliefs. So like the people who are the anti-master mask people are not from what I see from like their their discussions on the internet, they're not willing to entertain the fact that in fact their what they see as their personal autonomy is not the highest good at this in this moment. Mm-hmm. And 
like, and I will be honest, I don't know. I've, I've tried to like inhabit that point of view. And, and I mean, I can understand if you're from a rural, rural community where like you haven't, no one in your communities had been sick. Like I, I, even though I disagree with the, with their position, I can think through it and I can at least like, okay, I can, I can understand a version of this. I think that that's not as is like the people who tried to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer this uh, past week. Like those, that's a different category. I think yeah, that's a whole different level. Well, because it's radicalism, because it's taken so it's it's and I think to me, I think there probably is a link between radicalism and and an unwillingness to entertain a skeptical thought. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because you can only like to me, it's like like the the, the shortest path to radicalism is is believing that you are right no matter what, Mm -hmm. regardless of evidence. And I think it's difficult because even when we talk about evidence, like there's a lot of psychological research and humanist research that talks about even like neuroscience, actually, it talks about the fact that your the way you perceive the world is changed by your beliefs. Two people can look mm-hmm. at the same exact event, the same exact evidence, and see completely different things. They're not acting irrationally. And the way that you counter that is by being willing to doubt your own perception, mm-hmm. and doubt your beliefs occasionally. And maybe mm-hmm. you come back around and be like, no, this is what I believe based off of evidence, and here's my logical argument. But you have to go through the process. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten off a very weird tangent on this episode. Well, no, but I, I, I think that's all, I think it's all relevant. But I, I think another problem is people not understanding how science works. I mean, I, I've seen posts and I've, I've heard people talk the whole, well, those scientists don't know anything either. They keep changing their mind and telling us something different. Yeah, that's yeah. how science works. Th- that's how mm-hmm. science works. Yeah. And, and people <laughs> don't seem to understand that. It just. Right. Well, it's. it's, you know, it's like, hey, well, told, like, like, last like, week they told us this and this week they're telling us that. Well, because there's new information this week. That, yeah, that's right. the way right. that works. Or like people who like go like, well, evolution is just a theory. Just like, a theory. You really yeah. don't know what theory means right. in yes. society. Like, right. Gravity is like, just a theory, but I haven't flung myself off the planet yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I've heard people make that argument. With, I've seen it like seen people and heard people and met people who have yeah. made an argument about gravity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That like the idea of like, oh, it's just a theory. Gravity could like change fundamentally tomorrow. And I'm like, no, what? no, no, no. Like, it technically can't. it's possible. But like the likelihood of that happening is right. My, like you are more likely to be hit by probably your own personal comment. Quantum theory allows for the collapse of the, the probability wave in infinite yes. ways. It's much more <laughs> likely to keep collapsing the way it always has. Right. <laughs> right. It, it becomes an odd thing because those those sort of things happen in in sciences and in humanities as well. Right. Like I I have run, I have run into so many people who are who, you know, non-academics. I mean, just like, you know, day to day people who will say, well, the problem is you, with you academics is that you think you think that Marxism will work, the, the Marxism theory. And it's like, well, Marxism, Marxism is a theory, but theory doesn't mean what you Marxism doesn't work or not work. It just is. You're talking about an, an ideology. Idea. Marxism describes how culture and capital interact with each other. It, it, it's, it's like you're saying addition doesn't work, right? Also, if, you, if you literally sat down with capital or 18th room mayor or something, you yeah. would literally just see like Marx's journalist background and like all his figures and numbers and like descriptions of history. And like, yeah. there's definitely underpinning theory there explaining how it's all working together. But right. like, there's a lot of numbers in capital. Like, yeah, it's, and it's, it's also why, like, when people go to implement Marxism into a political form, 
what that ends up looking like, it's not the same in every situation. Right. Because we're talking about we're, we're literally talking about an economic and a cultural theory that might have ideologies that grow out of it. And and the problem is without, you know, say, going to college to study it or listening to every episode of this show, which you totally should be. Um, you don't necessarily oh, have the well, well, or not just necessarily even just our show. Like you don't like people don't necessarily have the background to understand something just because they read a couple of articles or a couple of tweets. And and people don't well, understand how that, much like, work goes into research. Absolutely. Well, and also just like, I mean, just to pick on the Marx example, like there, a lot of things have been done with Marx, with Marx's theory since Marx. Yeah. Most of like, them. Yeah. yeah. Marxism Meyer. has very little to do with Karl Marx at this point. Right. Exactly. So like what, like when people like, this is my big frustration when people say like, well, oh, I don't agree with Marxism. Like, well, what, what part don't you agree with? Like, do you not agree with like the original observations that Karl Marx makes? Do you not agree with like his ideology? Do you not agree with the atheist down the streets ideology? What about like, and I like, I, I would go so far to say it's like, like Marxism now probably has like virtually infinite permutations when it's, yes. right. when it's applied. What they mean is that the libtards are bad. Okay. That's what they were saying. No, exactly. Which can is we, an anti-intellectual argument and just bonkers. Can we, can we add a footnote right here? Just real quick. A little yeah, sure. essay. My foot down okay. Great. Okay. If you are listening to the show and you think Joe Biden is a socialist, as, oh a so- as a socialist myself, as someone, as someone, yeah, well, yes, and also as someone who literally spent so many years reading Marx, reading Engels, reading Marxist theory from like the 19th century to the future, and other permutations of socialism, like Robert Owens, the father of the eight-hour workday, like let me tell you what Joe Biden wants is not socialism. Unfortunately, unfortunately, being on the left does not mean socialism. Being on the left does not mean Marxism. He's like, it's, he's barely on the left. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just, uh, yeah. Okay. That, that, that's all I, he's I a, just need to say. He's a, yeah. He's on the left in a world where apparently a like wannabe fascist white supremacist is apparently what the right is. Yes. Right. Like, I love that we got this. We got a YouTube comment recently, which I I just adore. Um, um, no sarcasm there. No, no, I, no I do. I, I totally, I, I totally love this. Um, on our YouTube channel, we got a comment. It, it says, "This is an odd little Marxist channel," and I, I just I couldn't help myself, so I answered it, and I said, "That probably describes us perfectly." Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> to, to which they responded, "Using freedom of speech to." End freedom of speech. And I'm like, that's not what Marxism means in any definition of Marxism. It's Wait, just that, it's just that I, it means like, I don't I am so baffled by that comment. It's also just like I want I honestly I wish this person I want I want a sound clip from them. Maybe even on the show. Like I like they could come onto the show. I wanted I want them to explain to me what on earth Marxism means to them. It means you're a pinko libtard bastard. That's yeah, what it no, means. But I want them to explain it and I want them to try and defend the position. That's I, I, what I want. I, I don't think there's more defense. I mean, if you if you look at some of the arguments that I get into on oh, yeah. I know. For, for, for 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 listeners who don't know me personally, um I have to this day, and I've been, I, I do not block people on Facebook or Twitter or I, you know, I don't necessarily follow you back, but I don't block people. Um, I rarely delete comments and I rarely post anything privately or friends only. Um, things that I say online are public because that's what I use online for. I do not recommend this course to any other people. You've listened to the show. 
I'm not, I wasn't exactly sane to start with. And the internet has not done me any favor. Like I, my, my grasp on, my grasp on, on sanity is, is tenuous at best. And, but I, but I feel as though I provide a service through doing this. And so I end up arguing with people, some of whom are crazy people. And what I've learned is anybody who's just complaining that I'm complaining that I am a Marxist. Um, for, for one thing, I will always answer why. Yes. I mean, I've literally taken like a dozen courses to become a Marxist. That's that's literally what I do. Um, so, yes, but they also, don't if you're have in the humanities. You can't get like the phrase. I'm a Marxist in any form of humanist scholarship. Yeah, like, you can't you can't practice the humanities without either directly by having to study Marx on some level or reading theories that are influenced by Marx's work, right. either either in agreement or in disagreement. Like, right. to study culture is a part of that is studying Marxism. Marx's work and its its impact. And also economics and also philosophy. And right. it, yeah, Absolutely. so 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 essentially at this point, at this point, it's like saying, thank you for acknowledging my PhD. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, the, like there's, not, <laughs> there's not really there's not really a counter argument to it. But but it's and and I'm just you know, I'm just having fun with people when I argue with them at all. But it's become very clear to me over the years that there is no real argument for it. What they mean is they mean you're a communist, but they don't actually know what communism is either. So they mean Marxism, socialism, communism, pinko bastard are all the same thing. And what people who use that argument usually mean is, well, you're wrong because I don't know, Nazi, Nazi, Nazi. And and like there's not well, you're it, wrong because I don't agree with you. Right. And there's no understanding. And, I, and, and of, also like I don't agree with you and I don't care to understand or consider right. why you believe what you believe. And typically, to my experience, the people who use that argument don't necessarily, you know, they they identify themselves as being on the right or being conservative, but they typically don't actually understand conservative politics or ideology either. They've just chosen a side and and often just want to be a, want to be dicks like I've like I've seen people argue Black Lives Matter. They're terrorists. It says right there on their website that they're Marxist. And I'm like, Marxism doesn't mean terrorism. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, like like but, but like there's no there's no, <laughs> no explanation. That's what, that's what the NRA told me. Right. And and like, but there's no explanation because like they don't even I mean, the NRA doesn't say that they don't know. It's just they've chosen a side to argue and they don't necessarily have like you said, you want to see them defend it. I don't think there is defense, which is why this guy, yeah, this guy, when he's like, well, you're, you're using freedom, freedom of speech to end freedom of speech, like regardless of whether you agree with with me or any of the three of you politically at all, there is no way you can listen to like five fucking minutes of this show and think we want to end, end freedom of speech. The tagline <laughs> is, you know, is pop culture analysis, you know, pseudo academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. This is literally all well, the also, stuff. If that- we were trying to end freedom of speech, we wouldn't ask for listener comments. And we wouldn't have guests. Also, we, we probably would, wouldn't have our comments open on our YouTube channel. Right. We wouldn't invite guests in to, to tell us what they think. Yeah, yeah. Because right. like ending, ending, like ending freedom of speech is so far from my mind that I can't even think of like the ways in which it, it did not occur to me the ways in which we could use a podcast to maybe do that. <laughs> we, we let Hannah be on this show and she hates Riverdale. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> you, you wait, wait, wait. Oh boy. You mean, you mean 
mean we've reached that point of the episode. <laughs> you mean I can disagree with you and I can still be on this show? Uh, apparently, yeah, apparently, I mean, yeah. I'm sure Mav is uncomfortable with it, but <laughs> well, you know. Uh, yeah, but he's guess, but, but like, he's a libtard, so you know. Right. I, oh, I no. am. Yes, I am. Oh, <laughs> no. I guess to get, to get, I feel like we've gone off on a productive, way off. I think, related tangent. Well, I think that's the thing, though, is like, I don't know, a lot of the, like, a lot of, not every dystopian movie or every, like, oh, God, oh, God, we're all going to die kind of movie, but, like, a lot of them have to do with cultural divisions and a lack of understanding or mm-hmm. an unwillingness, I should mm-hmm. say, I mean, understand. I mean, actually, like, term, like, like yeah. Blade Runner. Blade Runner is, like, 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 Blade Runner's, like, I don't, you know, is people, like, the humans are, like, I don't acknowledge or want to understand a version of life that, you know, we as a species have created that is different. Like, I don't want to understand it. I don't want to consider it. I don't want to think about it. I just want to go on in my bubble life and continue doing it. And then eugenics. <laughs> I always bring it back to but eugenics bad. This is just, this is just. This is what I do now. I mean, that, that, is, that is sci-fi. Uh, but, you know, to to flip that, uh, because I did research for this podcast and watched Terminator 2 for the first time last night. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, like the like my Miles Davis is the, you know, like the scientist who's like the creator of Skynet. And the reason why Skynet gets stopped or at least delayed, depending on what canon you want to follow in the Terminator universe, because there's way too many, is because he is willing to listen and understand. And you might not like how the narrative plays out in that film. And also, why didn't no one tell me that Terminator 2 is basically E.T., but like with a Terminator? <laughs> oh, it totally is. <laughs> Miles Dyson, by the way, just because... That's my favorite description of that movie ever. Dyson, now. Dyson, shoot! <laughs> yeah, Miles Dyson, Davis, I'm like, wait, Davis. is his name... No, you know what? You know what? I, I've said Miles Davis. I, I said Miles Dyson. You can just edit that, and we don't have to know. But I did that. <laughs> I do. I, I do that all the time on the show, and I'm just like, it's funnier when you guys right. make fun of me for it. So, <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, yeah, it's totally ET, and like that's and and that's kind of the the weird thing, right? Because ET is like Steven Spielberg's hopeful view for vision of you know this is what alien contact will look like um except that like his hopeful vision of alien contact everybody is awful except for like four kids like the entire yeah. human race is horrible in et um and like terminator and i it is a very similar story i guess i 22 i should as you're saying so is that like when we're saying that 2020 is our worst you know our worst timeline is it only our worst timeline because we don't have some plucky hero trying to save us all? Because Joe Biden ain't that plucky hero. You know? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know who that plucky hero is. <laughs> but like, it's, well, like, yeah. well, do we argue last time? Uh, and by last time, I maybe mean every time that individual heroism doesn't work. It doesn't. Like, no, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean well, that, that that's part of our American myth. So what but, we're saying uh, is collective action is necessary, which is you why Marxism. you should go. <laughs> why you should go vote. <laughs> <laughs> and also support Black Lives Matter and also probably join a union. Yeah. 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 Self organization <laughs> from bottom bottom to top, you know. Well, but I mean Marxist Marxist interpretation of the new Star Wars mm-hmm. sequels. That's definitely off topic. Anyway. Well, well, I mean, but wait, when you, you, you were just saying, you were just saying like the American monomyth, we, we, you know, we have these ideas of, 
know, even we talk, we, we, we make heroes out of people in real, uh, real life people, uh, um, um, real life people, uh, Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, George mm-hmm. Washington, Hamilton. Now all of a sudden for some reason, um, <laughs> which is odd. You know, no, I know. I know it's, it's great, but you know, which is basically we, a fictionalized version of Hamilton. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, that, which is exactly what I'm getting at. We, we fictional, right. we, we create heroes to be embodiments of, of un of essentially collective unions ideals. of collective action because yeah. we need because we need a hero to worship we need the symbol yeah and that's and that becomes you know that's what this is about so like when, when you look when you look at um when you look at something like terminator 2 yes i get that sarah connor is like this amazing you know plucky hero going to save the world by herself or with the aid of her son and like you know one one bad guy turned good um who they still end up killing you know like like i, I get that but like in real life, they're representing the need for everybody to come together and not just have mm. un- like, I mean, the message of Turner too is don't have total confidence in unchecked and unchecked progress, you know, technological progress with no humanities, with, with no humanity to it. That's what it's really about. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like it, it's Terminator 2 is literally like listen to the message and try to do good rather than just like um, it's literally you know, about the value of human them. life. There's yes, this really creating. obnoxious voiceover at the end. It's like if a Terminator can see the value in human life then there is hope <laughs> for all of us. That, that's almost word for word. Like, yeah. OK, James Cameron. <laughs> I mean, this this comes back to that American monomyth that that Mav and I talk about so frequently. It's it's that that dichotomy we have in this country of you know, both those ideals of you know e pluribus unum, you know, united the United States. This this whole you know, we are better when we stand together, but all of our heroes are the lone gunslinger pulling yourself up by the the bootstrap your own bootstraps kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, right. the the gunslinger comes to town and and fights off the bad guys in a way that the whole rest of the town together couldn't. Right, right. Because you need you need that one guy who, you know, mm-hmm. who and, walks against the wind and all that. Yeah, and, and it is. I mean, that that is just so typical of, of so much of our fiction, mm-hmm. of both of those ideals uh, at odds and at the same time kind of walking hand in hand in some weird, weird way. Including all the including all the, you know, these stories that we're talking about, like just the list of them. Um, Hunger Games, we mentioned it has that story, right? Uh, is it is it not the failure of that story as we talked about last time? Like, like sure. Kat, Katniss doesn't really do that much. She does almost nothing. Like the, the plot happens around her for three books, but she's still. But but at least it's self aware. I mean, she is the symbol of that movement. Oh, the, no, no, yeah. like, like it's definitely on purpose. Like I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Like a failure in the sense that like these books are failures. I'm saying like it's pointing out the problems of like the Harry Potter kind of thing the one chosen the one the yeah. chosen one yeah even, luke skywalker even, even harry potter if it wasn't for all those other people you know that. yeah so but does, that's, not does, on, that's not that's not an accident that, that's on accident not on yeah. purpose i don't think jk rowling was self-aware enough to like she should just made her money the hero because <laughs> but, but we won't get into that we won't get yeah. into jk rowling tonight that's that's you know enough. blade runner is one guy blade runner and blade runner 20, 2049 are both the story of one guy who decides to rebel against this system right mm. um planet of the apes is that um idiocracy 
one of my favorite movies. Watch Idiocracy if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> you know, like that's that's what all of these are. So does the question become what 2020 needs is at least the the idea of a Katniss Everdeen plucky hero for us to all rally behind? I mean, is that maybe who? Well, is that maybe who? Unfortunately, I think the the right has that. They have rallied behind Trump, uh, plucky or not. He is that symbol for them. Right. So, well, and and I mean, is this? I mean, <laughs> the problem is Joe Biden is just not inspiring enough to be that symbol on the left, yeah. right? But um, but but maybe that's what Bernie Sanders was because it's not like it's hit for. And this is like I'm, I'm sure this is gonna piss off a lot of our listeners who tend to be more liberal, but. Just so you know, Bernie Sanders did not con- did not invent democratic socialism. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I just I just burst the bubble. But like, isn't that what he was trying to be? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what AOC is trying to be yeah. now? And so I, and I, I think she's a good candidate for that. Yeah. And so is, does that but, be, be but, what we, is that what we need? Do we need somebody to just rally behind to where she becomes the Katniss Everdeen symbol of the movement. Yeah. But I think the issue no. with that becomes becomes the problem, like not the problem with Bernie specifically as a candidate, but the mm. issue that happened in the 2016 election is because people were so committed to Bernie Sanders. You know, they couldn't as, see the, anything else. Yeah, right. Because mm. I know I knew a lot of people personally, and this became you know has actually become a major contention that we had for a very long time that refused to vote for Hillary because. Hillary wasn't Bernie. Mm-hmm. And, like, and by the way, there's a lot of reasons to not vote. Like if you don't agree with what somebody stands for, even Joe mm-hmm. Biden, who I want to win, you know, if you don't agree, if you fundamentally think somebody's bad, that's different. But I don't think most of it's thought out. I think most of it's not. Most and, of it is. It's not our guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the thing is it's like, I mean, I think to me, that's, that's the distinction between like someone who supports Bernie Sanders, which like I would, ca- I would count myself in that group and what, what a lot of people would pejorative refer to as a Bernie bro. Yeah. Like to me, a Bernie bro is not actually someone who has thought through what democratic socialism actually means or potentially even understands that Bernie Sanders is a democratic socialist. Mm-hmm. They just are in it for the club. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which like, frankly, that, he's well, not even I, that I good think, of one. Think, well, and that, that idea of symbols, I think, you know, historically speaking, I think Kennedy was that for mm-hmm. the Democratic Party at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I think he embodied that that symbol. Uh, I think Reagan did for the, the Republicans in Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he still does. I think I think that actually Biden being the most uninspiring candidate we could have come up with besides Pete Buttigieg um, <laughs> might actually I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah, I'm sorry, I, what, I, I wonder what, no. what do you want from me? We, we, we just, talked about I, that on a previous episode. 20, 2020 is what it is. Like, <laughs> let, let's not hold it back because nuclear apocalypse could happen. Who knows? Anyway, point. <laughs> I mean, like he's he's not inspiring, but we like want him to win because like, I mean, the truth is, is like I never get to vote for anyone I actually agree with totally in my politics because one like, you know, it, it's hard because to have America. everyone like because America, but also because like. I'm just she like so to voting far in to Mississippi the left. For winning. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm not. I'm voting in North Carolina now because I'm in North Carolina. So, well, I graduated, so I had to be. Uh, I got a job okay. in North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> in case you were wondering about me starving on the street, I'm not doing that. I guess you figured that out since I have a computer. Anyway, um, <laughs> but you know, like, I, which, like, you know, North Carolina is also can just say also. Mississippi is totally winnable this year. It truly is for Mike Espy. Donate to his campaign if you have the time. He's in a close race with Cindy Hyde-Smith. And in case you're wondering who Cindy Hyde-Smith is, she is the worst senator in America who made jokes about when she did voter suppression. Uh, 
I, I don't want to insult the devil. Um, <laughs> Whoa! I have, she, I, have she, enough, she, I have enough people she, she's, real she's real bad. She's real bad. She's real bad. She's real bad. Anyway, but, but, but the point is, is that like, you know, like I don't agree with Joe Biden, but I want Joe Biden to win because the fact is if Trump wins, it's going to be a lot worse for a lot of people well, who don't have the same privileges we do. Like, it's just going to be bad. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, and it's like, like uh, a, but my, politics is not a politics is not a like my my like I, I'm I'm increasingly frustrated by this whole like my side, your side thing in politics, which is like kind mm-hmm. of what happens when you have a two party system is because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's more complicated than that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, as we've been saying, it's like Biden is not my favorite candidate. I disagree with a substantial amount of his policies. However, his policies are at least closer on the overall scope of like the, what is given, possible in terms of policies. Given the choice Trump we are is. being presented. Yeah, but, but, Right, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. like politics is a pragmatic decision. It's not mm-hmm. like, and this is, this is like, the, the problem is it's like, it's, this is not a, like, I, I guess I would disagree somewhat, I think a little bit with Mav in terms of like, if you don't agree with the politics, it's, it's if you don't agree with any of their politics, yes, but you right. can't hold out for a candidate oh, sure, that sure. agrees with everything that you say, because that's never going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm, what, my, what, my argument was pretty much what yours is. Yes. Sure. Okay, here's here's my point, though. If, since Biden is uninspiring to it seems almost everyone, if he wins, it might like I think it could be possible for us to say, all right, like Biden is better than Trump because you know that's a low bar. But our problems <laughs> aren't our problems aren't solved. We didn't elect someone who we totally agree with. Like organization, like on the mm-hmm. local levels, like the like mm-hmm. the calling and the protests. And the fundraising, like like none of that is needs to stop. We need to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like electing Joe Biden won't save us. And I think that sometimes, you know, if people thought that Bernie, Great. Um, we're not going back to you know. I can I can give you I can I can give you the best reason to vote for Joe Biden if you're one of the if you're a weird conservative who happens to somehow listen to our show. Here's the reason to vote for Joe Biden. That's that's very very obvious. If you're the kind of person who writes something like that comment of, oh, you know, odd little Marxist channel, and what they meant was that all four of us are are pretty clearly liberal, and just like having, I've been doing things like like I've been teaching in my in my freshman class. We've been talking about media bias um, the last couple of weeks, and and um, I had one, one student who's like, well, it seems like all the fact check sites are biased against uh, against conservatives. They're not. They just, it's just that Trump lies a lot. So, so if you're, if you, if you really listen to this show and you think of yourself as somewhat right wing and you think that, you know, liberals are just always, you know, we're just always horrible people, vote, vote for Biden, get Biden elected president, and then you get to see us complain about Biden for four years because I assure you, we're going to. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, I'm not going to be happy. (laughs) This is not going to, you know, if you think that it's, if you, if you, think that it's an either or two sided face thing and you know because I've, I've gotten into so many arguments people like well you never complain again you never complained about Barack Obama fucking read my my I've been on the internet pretty loudly and uh, and like everything's public that I've written in the last like 30 years I've been like writing stuff publicly you can go and you can check my website I complained about Obama all the time I complained about Trump more because Trump is a crazy person <laughs> who is very worse. Very, is, yeah, who is empirically worse. He's the literal worst. Yeah, but I will. Like, and I especially will on, the, on the on the fact checking thing, it's like I mean, this goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier about like people not being willing to like 
step outside of their their beliefs. It's like if if because like to me, it's like the fact checking thing. It's like okay, you see what you see a like say at least look at ten fact checking sites. Nine out of those ten are telling you that the thing that you thought was true is not in fact true, or the thing mm-hmm. you believe is not true. I don't understand. I, I I'm not sure I understand the perspective of like these of, of looking at these fact checking sites. It's like ninety percent of them are telling them that you are wrong, and mm-hmm. just being like, oh, those nine are incorrect. Right. This one. These are people who is- don't brush their teeth. Nine out of ten dentists agree that brushing your teeth prevents cavities and then apparently there's this one crazy dentist who's like fuck we're brushing your teeth cavities are a myth a hoax <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's just like, logic I, I don't like i'm willing to entertain the position of people that believe that they're embattled and believe that there is a giant hoax thing but it's like without evidence that that is in fact happening it doesn't make any sense to me and <laughs> like there are times in history, I mean, for example, like, you know, other worst case scenarios, there's like things like, you know, Nazi propaganda. There are times or I mean, if we, if we want to talk about socialism, like Russian propaganda, like that they've tr- that there's been attempts to construct a reality through media and through things like facts. Trump's doing it right now to create an alternate, like an alternate reality, essentially, that people would believe in. Like that is a demonstrable, tr- demonstrable, like historical and present reality. But the thing is, it's like we can identify those as as that phenomena because there is actual evidence right. that that phenomena is happening. I don't see that for basically the other position. So we resolve nothing. <laughs> we resolve yes. We should vote. And we you should vote for Joe Biden. Eugenics are bad. Eugenics yeah, are bad. Eugenics are bad. Eugenics are always bad. Cindy, Cindy Hyde-Smith bad. <laughs> what is the like, list of just like... <laughs> Uh, oh, but then how are we going to do with I mean, Riverdale in the list of things that are bad? Riverdale's good. Riverdale's, Riverdale's, the best show uh, Riverdale's just off the list, you know. Like <laughs> lately, it's like let's just leave it. Let's just like battle it out here. It'll give us content. We can, like, for we can get like a little clip episodes. on. We can get like a little clip on tag for the T-shirt where there's like a little box that you can like put it in there <laughs> if that's what you believe. <laughs> Oh, it's just, I don't know. It's not the worst timeline because a comet hasn't hit the earth yet. I know there's one coming for us. We're still allowed to do this podcast. (laughs) We're still at this podcast. I think it's also like, if, if, if by some chance this is the worst possible timeline, we're at the beginning of that timeline. We can turn the boat around. around. We can turn the boat around, guys. We could, in fact, get a bigger boat. No, there's an iceberg in front of us, but we're already committed. We're just going to have to hit it. We're going to have to hit it. Don't tell people people about the iceberg. They'll panic. (laughs) Right. It's fine. It's melting anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Okay. The iceberg iceberg is a deep state hoax. There's no no doubt. So so we apologize to our listeners who are expecting a conversation about science fiction timelines. (laughs) We we gave it to them. But also we we did our own sci-fi timeline because we began with a conversation about our own lives. We went through (laughs) the weeds. We went on a journey. And at the end, we're like, that's true. Still save the world. We can still make this happen. We have into murder. (laughs) Yeah, we we were like the time machine. Oh my god, we did the time machine. We went to the future. We saw the future. We came back. And we're like, we can still stop the Morlocks. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's so. That's so if Trump loses, that means it was our podcast that clinched it. That's what you're telling me, Hannah. And and it, and if and if Trump wins, then it's because we didn't get enough five star reviews. So please leave one on iTunes. <laughs> 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 uh, best um, ever. 
Wow. Okay. Um, just, you know, I, I think we, I did this episode entirely sober, so I don't know what that says. Um, <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> we should definitely, um, uh, Hannah, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, mostly on this podcast and, uh, Vox podcast.com where you can read our blogs and leave comments about future episodes and i guess you can follow me on twitter at hanley rogers but let's be honest i'm not tweeting yeah you haven't been sad twitter's been very lonely without you katya uh same most of my media presence for the moment is on on podcasts but uh you can find me on the instagrams when i decide to start posting again like a real person is as we know if there's no pics it didn't happen uh at just that nerd kid and wayne um yeah mostly here these days uh, so. <laughs> i i barely leave my house there's no way you guys are less interesting than me i just don't understand this. i also uh, barely leave my house my I, dude I do you not leave did my house. miss that part of the pandemic conversation we were oh, having that's right yeah <laughs> You just didn't leave your house very often before the pandemic. I I I did have, I had a conversation with a grad student and he was like, you know, after the pandemic, my life really didn't change that much. And that made me think about how sad it was or something like, you know, like how much time we spend in the house, like doing research as like grad students. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, well, that was the thing, but like I had, remember I had, um, I had this one year long research fellowship where I was literally doing research from home and not seeing people that ended like it overlapped with the pandemic by like two months. So literally the thing that everybody's doing, I was, I had already been doing for 10 months. And so now it's just this extension of, uh, of like what my life had been for the year before. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know for a fact that people exist who aren't in Zoom meetings. I, I've not, I've not seen one. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that just how people work? They're in little boxes on your screen. <laughs> it's been like two years, but you folks, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> for me, so anyway, um, you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, all of the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show. Same thing. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Vox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where, like Hannah said, we talk about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. And you can leave comments on this show or any other show. Let us know. Let us know what you think about this darkest timeline and if you're mad about us because we didn't really talk about details of Blade Runner the way we sort of thought we might, but you know, whatever. We should do a Blade, Blade Runner episode. I, I love Blade Runner so I, much. I, I, hot take. I actually think I like Blade Runner 2049 more than I like Blade Runner. I've seen both. I mean, I've seen. I actually would agree with that. Yeah. And I have reasons that we could, we could hot, probably talk about, but not today. Hotter take. Hotter take. I like the narrations from the original cut of the Blade Runner. Okay. So Hannah's off the show now. It's not the uh, Riverdale thing. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> Hannah, 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 I'm sorry. It's been Blade great. Blade Runner narrations, bad. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm gonna come down hard on that. <laughs> well, but we should do that show. Hard. If you'd like to see that, leave us a comment. Let us know if you want to see us do a Blade Runner show, so that you know, because this could be a fight. That could be the end of it. <laughs> um, and um, if you enjoy the show, we certainly hope you do. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five star review, especially on iTunes. If you leave us a review and not just a rating, it makes us go up in the algorithm and makes us famous, which amplifies our voices, which means people will vote out Donald Trump and we will save the universe and we won't have Hunger Games. And do you really want to watch children kill each other? 
other on TV. And I know, I know the, uh, I know the, the, the gut inclination is to say, yes, that sounds exciting, but, but just really think about it. Think about it. Do you really want to see that? You probably don't. You know, we've got reality TV already. We don't need, we don't need it to be worse. So, um, reality so, TV is what gave us Trump. Yeah. Yeah. Think there you about, go. Think deeply about this. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and really as much as you might think that you want the purge and, you know, the purge is coming, you don't want the purge. So, so, so really, <laughs> really, really think about this. And this all starts by leaving us a five star review on iTunes that talks about how great the show is. We will save the world. That's what I'm looking for. This is the most, up, come on, this is the most upbeat I've ever done this pitch. Usually it's really dreary and it's all oh, about, man. you know, leave us a five star review so I don't kill myself. This is a good, I'm trying to save the world here, folks. So, he's exactly got his cape right now. That's right. Uh, anyway, how many capes? Uh, no capes. No, no. No, I don't. I don't have any oh, capes. Uh, at, 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 you know, Edna. Uh, um, what's uh, her name? How many of those capes you own? Eugenics bad. Capes bad. Oh. Capes bad. Voiceover from Blade Runner bad. Yeah, yeah cape, cape is nature. Even even in uh, all the superheroes that I ever made, like they're based loosely on myself from drawing comics as a kid. I'm, I'm not a cape guy. No. All right. On that note. Anyway, <laughs> I would like to thank Maximilian of Thought for Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you at home for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Gaff had been there and let her live. Four years, he figured. He was wrong. Tyrell had told me Rachel was special. No termination date. I didn't know how long we'd have together. Who does?